Shalom. I am Rabbi Michael Punt, and this is For the Love of Judaism. For today's episode, I am so honored and excited that we have with us today Magda Olchek, who lives in Warsaw, but she grew up right here in New Jersey. Uh, she is a graduate of Boston University. She lives in Poland now with her husband, Bartek, and their two kids, Mila and Zoe. Now, just by way of background, Magda is the co-owner of Warsaw's popular tapas restaurant, Tapas Gastro Bar. So if you're in Warsaw, you got to go and check out her restaurant. Uh, maybe when things settle down a little bit, because right now things in Poland are a little bit crazy since Poland is on the border with Ukraine. And since the Russian invasion began just a couple of weeks ago, Magda and her family have jumped into action. Just as one example, Magda's restaurant is donating 60 liters, about 15 gallons of soup each week that will be delivered across the border, those in need. So Magda, thank you so much for joining us on the program today to talk about the crisis in Ukraine and how it's impacting you and thousands of people that are involved. Thank you very much for having me, Rabbi. You know, you're right there on the front lines with what's going on, and most of us are not. So can you share, just share with us your thoughts about the refugees, about those who are fleeing this terrible war? Uh, yeah, so I think no one really actually believed it would happen. Obviously, we've been hearing about it for a while. And right away when it first started happening, you know, it, governments are big. They have bureaucracies. So it takes a while for help to get to refugees from the governments. But what happened was is people just leapt into action. The refugees started pouring over our borders. Regular people just started driving there. They started getting in their cars with supplies, bringing people into their homes, you know, before the government could actually even organize anything or even before any any charitable organizations could organize anything. It was just regular people who were just helping. You know, they saw what was happening. These are our neighbors. We have many Ukrainians here in Poland already. These are our friends, our neighbors. And so, yeah, they just leapt into action. It's It started off, we thought it was a lot in the beginning. Now it's just really, um, it, it's a flood. It's a flood of people that are coming in and we're continuously helping. Now, luckily, the government has leapt into action. Charitable organizations have stepped in other from other countries from Poland but it's massive now it's it's massive it's now I think as of yesterday it was 1.3 million refugees in Poland Wow you're right that is a flood of people and that must be overwhelming for everyone I mean not just the government but just ordinary polls like like you and Bartek. So you talked about, you know, just people jumping into action, individuals, and now the government is is mobilized and organizations are mobilized. I know that you and Bartek are, you know, helping to house some of the refugees and so much more. Tell us, just give us some examples of the action that you're seeing. Like, for example, I know that your husband's company is contributing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, as I said, it's, it's pretty much everyone. It's everyone per person I know. So my husband's company just as Pretty much any other company that that I know of here, uh, we have this. Yes, we have this group of people, uh, women and children, who are tied to my husband's company and an employee uh, of his. And so, uh, at the company, they organize a drive. So for things like bedding and and towels and and you know kitchen supplies, but things like food and clothing. I mean, you know, one one woman with one suitcase for herself and two children. You know, that doesn't last very long. As I also mentioned, you know, things, small things like even non-essential things like for these children who, you know, some of these children, I just heard a story. I mean, 24 hours, they were on the floor of a train to to get here without anything with. And these are, you know, I have young children. I can't imagine my children being in that position. And so I also did something to get get them toys. 
know, so that they at least, you know, I even got them toys so that when they got into that apartment after all of these days of, of, of awful travel and, and, and being hungry and tired and dirty and everything, you know, they had something for themselves as well. So, yeah, I mean, there's, like I said, it's all over the place. Everyone's doing something schools, my, my school, my, you know, my girls schools, preschools, everyone, everyone. Yeah, that's, that's great. I can't, I can't even imagine the, you know, the anxiety, you know, especially for children, like you said, being uprooted from their home, seeing the destruction, going leaving to their fathers. Yeah. Yes. Leaving their fathers who are staying back to fight and maybe, you know, brothers, cousins, all the uncertainty, leaving, leaving the familiar, going somewhere, you know, you have no idea where you're headed. Just a simple act of providing toys for those kids to give them some comfort. You know, it might seem like a small thing, but it's actually something beautiful and wonderful. I mean, of course, in addition to all of the, you know, more immediate needs, but to provide that for kids is really terrific. No, Rabbi, this, uh, this whole movement has been made up of small things. You know, it's it's each person doing a smaller or bigger thing. And, and that's that's what it adds up to. You know, so for me, nothing, nothing is small. Everyone's doing, you know, and all those small things are, are really adding up to something amazing. And I have to say, you know, this podcast is called For the Love of Judaism. And that idea is very Jewish, that every act makes a difference. Every positive act tips the balance of the scales towards you know, towards life and peace and goodness. Now, Magda, I know that somewhere around this time, it's your birthday or it was your birthday. Um, and you used your birthday as a vehicle to, to help also, didn't you? I did. I did. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. As I said, I, I asked everyone, well, every year, uh, I mean, every year I actually uh, ask for donations to charitable organizations for my birthday. And this year, uh, instead of that, I, I, yes, I asked for toys uh, for the children, everyone to bring something. Uh, and yeah, everyone pulled together again. Uh, and we were able to, you know, to get these toys, some, you know, some of which went to these children. Uh, then I had some more that I got that I took to uh, shelters and uh, the train station. I mean, so many places now with people in need. Yeah. I know that you're not only you and again, thousands of, of polls are not only helping with like physical items, but you're also helping to make connections. Can you talk about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, so had a lot of people reach out to me, you know, especially since I'm from the States and also I have friends from all around the world uh, because they don't know anyone else in Poland and they want to help, but they don't know how, you know, and uh, they want to help people that they know, but they don't know what to do. You know, friends of friends have reached out to them saying, hey, you know, I have I have my family who's trying to get to Poland with their children. Can you help? So, you know, they reach out to me and then I see, okay, I have this family. Then I see, I have a, I, you know, other people are posting as, as I had also told you, my Facebook feed basically looks like a huge advertisement section of, of, of a newspaper. You know, you've got, I have three women and two children and a dog looking for uh, an apartment in this, in this area. Uh, I have an apartment. I can, I can house eight Ukrainians, refugees, you know, can anyone, does anyone know of anyone? Uh, there are 150, I just heard 150 uh, orphans that are about to cross the border on a train to, to Warsaw. Can anyone help? And so wow. what I try to do is I try to use, you know, my net, whatever network I have and put these people together. So uh, when, you know, a, fr a friend of mine reaches out to me and says, Hey, can you help, 
you know, these people, I do whatever I can to help them. So whether it be uh, getting them from the border uh, somewhere to, within Poland. So now I'm actually helping a group of people who are within Poland, but want to get to Germany, because as I also said, you know, in Poland, we're about to collapse under the weight of all the refugees. So we need to get them out into other countries that are also willing to help. So what I'm now basically trying to do is funnel all of those people from Poland to Germany. So helping with trains, all trains are free in Poland and Germany for all public transportation and, and trains are free in, in Poland and Germany for refugees. So, you know, getting them together to get on the train, uh, getting resources in Germany. I just happen it happens to be closest and I happen to know people and I have a lot of information. So giving them all of the information on, you know, what to do in Germany, contacts that I have in Germany. So, you know, it's putting people together. I, I think we're going to talk about Daniel a little bit later, but uh, the same thing, you know, get, getting, for example, you know, my friend wants to go and travel into the Ukraine to pick up people, but he's trying to look for a bus. I have a person who has seven buses, you know, but needs drivers. So hooking them up, you know, getting those connections going. So, yeah, it really is a lot about that. And it's all, like I said, gra very grassroots. You know, you look, you see something up on Facebook, you, you know, you write to that person, you get in touch, you you connect people together. So it's, it's very much about that. That's really fabulous. So you're using your, just all of your networks, all the connections that you have in order to alleviate the suffering of, you know, these literally millions of refugees. I mean, you're showing us that, you know, one person can make a difference. It would be easy for you or just one individual to say, well, what can I do? I'm just one person. Let the government handle this. But you're not doing that. You're doing everything that you possibly can you know, to, to try and help. I mean, I find that really inspiring. Absolutely. And I, I really promise you when I say this, everyone is, everyone is, everyone I know that is. So it's, it's, it's amazing. And it's, it's also, I mean, I do have to say, I'm not a huge fan of social media. I'm not on Instagram. Um, I'm not on TikTok or any of those other things. And I barely go on Facebook, to be honest, um, except to sort of connect with friends. But I have to say, I mean, for all that's happening, it's the most amazing resource and tool that could be. Really, I know I keep saying it, but I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen people getting together. I mean, I've met, quote unquote, so many people in these last two weeks because of Facebook and helping and getting together. And, and it, yeah, I mean, so it's, it's, it's actually, like I said, I'm not a huge fan of social media on an everyday basis, but it's helped immensely in this whole crisis. What also uh, helps people is that they see that they also see that other people are doing something. It, it's, it's, it's infectious. You know, you see everybody around you and you say, okay, I want to get in there and I'm going to do my part, you know, and, oh, I know this person and I know this. And so it's been, it's, it's been very surreal to see it, but it's definitely Facebook has fueled, has fueled all of this. Yeah, that's the, the good power of social media. You know, sometimes we tend to, and rightfully so, we lament how social media allows, you know, like white supremacists to mobilize and, and these kinds of things, but it connects people just in incredibly powerful ways. It is true. Everyone inspires everyone else. I mean, when this started, we were actually, uh, my family and I we were in Portugal and uh, literally the day it started, we left and, you know, we were there and kind of just sitting back and looking at it all. I'm like, what, you know, what's happening? And, and really it's what 
mobilized me. As soon as I got back, I was like, look at everything everyone is doing already. You know, we've been away. I mean, I tried to do some things when we were away as well, but I was like, okay, I need to get on this. And it was precisely, you know, because I saw what's going on and everybody doing their part. So it's an amazing tool to sort of mobilize people into action. So, you know, there's such strength in numbers, you know, you see everyone doing it and it just wants to, you know, it makes you want to do more as well. So we're just all inspiring each other really. That, that is really, that is really fabulous. Now you mentioned your Facebook page and I admit I spied on your Facebook page. I wanted to see what was going on. I trolled you a little bit Uh, and I did read some of the posts that, you know, that you reposted um, about your friend, Daniel Rusty, who you just mentioned. Russell. Yeah. His last name is Russell. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, Russell. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's okay. That's, I mean, that's what he calls himself on Facebook, but yeah, Daniel Russell. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. I got it. Um, so give it, tell us more about what he's doing because he is really, he's, he's really incredible from what I read. Incredible. Yeah. More than incredible. So yeah. I mean, from the beginning, he just basically, he hopped in his car like I said, he was one of those people who just hopped in his car, first was going to the border, bringing back, bringing supplies, bringing back people back and forth from the border, and then decided, you know what? And no, I think I need to go into Ukraine and get people out because, you know, people there, there, it's also not very easy to just get out. You know, uh, there's a flood of people. People don't know what to do. So, um, yeah, so he went in. First, he was looking for for something bigger, but he couldn't find anything. So he just went in with a car the first time, brought supplies in, you know, sort of also it was a, kind of a, a recon mission to, to see how it all went. I mean, was up for 30 something plus hours, you know, that first time. Um Got wow. people out, got a, a young a young woman and her baby out and got tons of supplies in there. And then, you know, just said, hey, I, I need to go back. And yeah, you can see is he's also a photographer as well. So he 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 took a lot of photos. And and so you can see all that, all of his work. And then, you know, then went back in with a nine seater car with with a friend of his. Um, actually a friend of his who happens to also work in my husband's company <laughs> as it so happens. So, uh-huh. and they went in and then they, you know, they rescued even more people, brought more supplies, rescued more people. And, you know, he's going into a place that uh, a war is waging, you know, I mean, it's, for me, it's beyond comprehension, you know, how, how, how people are fleeing. He's going towards it because he sees how many people need help. And now I just spoke to him actually today. He's now working because now he said it, it's getting very, very difficult. It's getting difficult to go through from Poland to the Ukraine. That's why it's taking him a few more. Last time he just kind of went back and forth. Now it's taking him a few days, but he finally managed, he finally managed to get in contact through his contacts to a priest who is going to sort of smooth the way for him to get in there. Um, and he's taking, yeah, now he's going with a Kevlar vest, helmets, underwear, things like that. And he's going directly to meet with a platoon of Ukrainian soldiers to supply them. And so he's going directly into really the heart. I mean, not the heart he's okay. He doesn't go into the East of Ukraine, obviously, but, but into, into, you know, war zone meeting with the soldiers, giving this directly to them, you know, everything, everything goes directly to, to, to the people that need it. And then he will be taking also people, people back with him. So taking him a little while to figure out how he's going to do it now, because it's, it's getting to be much more difficult, but, but yeah, he's hoping to go on Sunday. Wow. That is really, that's incredible. That I don't even know what to say. Magda, I'm just curious, you know, I mean, here in the States, you know, I've seen on the news, I've read that, you know, ordinary citizens like who are from Ukraine, but are expats or living elsewhere 
are going back to Ukraine to join the fight. Have you yes. seen evidence of that? Yes, I know people, friends of friends, uh, but that have gone from here. Yes, regular, ordinary people. Obviously, you see on the news, you know, famous people who are going. And but yes, I, I have again, I have many people that I know here that are also Ukrainian, and they have told me of people that they know that yes, they they go back. You know, husbands, fathers. Uh, they leave here and they they go back there again. They're they're going into the war zone. I think it's it's maybe hard for people to understand who are not from this region. But you know we have a a, a long history here of of occupation, of war, of fighting for freedom and your homeland. And so I understand it. I, I do understand it. Although I know it's it, it's hard to comprehend. You know it's hard to comprehend when you're somewhere far away, living a comfortable lifestyle. You know why not just okay? I'll send money, which is amazing as well. I'll send you know give a donation. I'll send things. But to actually get up, say, okay, I have a family, I have a life, I have a good life. And to go in there, it's also just, it's it's beyond. I also know people who live there who could very easily come here, who are Polish, who could come back here, and they don't. They don't. They stay, and they're they're staying, and they're fighting. So that I do know personally. It's, uh, it's incredible. Yeah, you raise a really good point that I think it's important for us in the United States to think about. I mean... You know, most of us Americans, you know, we're not bordered by potentially aggressive nations. Uh, We live a relatively comfortable life, as I'm sure you do most of the time. But, you know, there are times when, you know, there's a crisis and you have to you have to step up. There's war. And as you said, you know, many people in your region have always known war and conflict. By history, at least, you know, it's surrounded. Obviously, yeah. people my age know, but at least, you know, you've, you're surrounded by that history. That That's that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a part of the culture, part of the psyche yeah. of living in, in that region. So that's that's a good point. You know, it sounds like citizens like you are doing so much to respond to this aggression. Uh, and you mentioned that you're concerned that your country is going to really struggle with the weight of of this crisis. Could you talk more about that? Yes. Yeah, so in the beginning, uh, as I said, it was a lot of, you know, people opening up their homes, bringing the refugees in, donating everything they could, uh, buying things. But, you know, as time goes on, obviously those resources dwindle. You know, there are only a certain amount of apartments and houses that, that people, you know, can open up to to these refugees. So, of course, as, also as time has gone on, uh, refugee shelters have, you know, have been established. Uh, but even those are are just at capacity. I mean, I I, I go every day. I go to, to um, I bring supplies, uh, some that I've purchased, some that I've received from people around me. To uh, to for example, today I was at, at one of these quite large refugee shelter where there's about 400 people. And, uh, you know, I came in because they they write lists every day what's most needed. And I said, you know, I have these things that we're not. He said, listen, we're out of everything. We're, we, we need everything. I, it doesn't matter what it is. I said, okay, you know, I wanted to make sure I don't want to give anything on it. He said, no. And it's just, yes, the resources are drying up because the, the, the volume is so high and, you know, Poland is not a very rich country. So, and like I said, people have emptied their homes of everything they could donate. You know, they're giving money. The resources are drying up volunteers. I mean, it's insane. They are, you know, they're working day and night and they're just, I can see it. I can see it in their eyes. They're, they're, you know, their nerves are frayed. They're tired. And so, yes, as I said, now the the key, I think, is to make Poland sort of the first aid stop. Uh, So they come in here, we help them, and then we get them 
along the way, you know, to on their way to other countries that are also willing to help and that actually have had time to set up, you know, programs uh, to to help these people. So I think that that is now the key so that, you know, we actually really can help the refugees that are here, because uh, like I said, people are sleeping on the floor. They're dirty. They're hungry. They don't have basic, basic, you know, hygiene product. So, you know, we can't help anyone if we're if we're overwhelmed. You know, I think the key is to help them quickly and then, you know, help them go on to somewhere that can help them more. Yeah, I hope that'll work out. I hope, you know, you know, NGOs, United Nations and of course governments will will get involved in that larger effort like you said that Yes, Poland's- we are we are waiting. We are waiting for there are, you know, there like you had mentioned the UN has a program, you know, refugee program. The EU has a refugee program. They're not in place yet in Poland, unfortunately. Uh, well, as of yesterday, you know, I'm sorry, news moves so fast. Maybe they are today. I didn't I didn't get a chance right. to look, but right. I don't think they are. And plus, that also takes time to implement. So, yes, this this is the key they, they, we need that assistance as fast as possible, because, you know, I, I just can already I, I see a huge difference between today, for example, when I was there at the shelter and, and what was going on a week ago, you know. Uh, so we you know, some of this needs to be unloaded because we just won't be able to manage, you know, in a little while. So. Right. Right. Okay. Well, Magda Olchek, just thank you so much for taking the time. I know that you are going to continue all the work that you're doing so that it's incredibly intense and busy there in in Warsaw. Uh, One other thing, actually, I mean, in addition to, like you said, you know, sending money, is there anything else that like we say here in the United States can do to help? To be honest, I mean, sending things because also friends have had, can we send care packages? I mean, to be very honest, um, and I can, you know, I'll share with you, Rabbi, some some places where people can donate where that I know will actually be put to good use, you know, because I think it's also very hard to even know, you know, which organizations are credible, which ones will really help. But other than that, I mean, like I said, well, political pressure would help, you know, to to close the skies right now uh, would be amazing. But, you know, that that that's very Again, I don't want to get into politics, but what everyday right. people can do, I mean, I think really supplies are necessary. They're dwindling. And I think that is the best thing. You know, we're 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 waiting for the government programs, we're waiting for the, you know, like I said, the UN programs and things to be put into place. But for now, I go, I deliver supplies, I go every day, um, because they don't even have anywhere to store them, you know. So so I think the best thing really is if you're so far away, is to donate. And again, you know, I can definitely give you some links of places that I at least know that if you if someone does donate, it will get into the right hands. It will get into direct hands. It will, you know, I'll give you bigger organizations, smaller kind of grassroots things. And, and yeah, I mean, everything helps. Everything helps because we yeah, we need resources here on the ground. So, yeah, well, I mean, here at my synagogue, we were we started the collection and the response has been overwhelming and someone arranged for a cargo ship at some point to bring those supplies to the area. So, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that we're doing that. We are collecting money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you would send me uh, those links to the organizations that you trust, I will promote them at my synagogue. I'll promote them in my networks. Just listening to you is inspiring. I mean, I want to do everything I can to help, even though I'm, you know, thousands of miles away. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they're all in English. Uh, so, you know, it'll be easy, obviously, for everyone. And like I said, because it's hard. I know it's hard. And I know that people want to help. I've had so many friends that say, I want to help. I feel so helpless. Right. You know, but and I know, you know, sometimes you think, oh, but it's just so, you know, it's so easy to just give some money. But believe me, in this case, I mean, it really is the best thing to do because everyone here, everyone here is mobilized and for sure will get it 
into the right hands, you know? So even though maybe, you know, again, maybe it seems like a small thing, it, it's not. It is a huge thing because that that's what we need. We've got the people here willing to help. We've got, you know, everybody mobilized, but for sure our resources and supplies are dwindling. Understood. Well, I mean, we'll do everything that we possibly can. This is a world crisis and uh, all of us are responsible to respond. But Magda Olchek, I just want to thank you so much. You're telling us what's going on, you know, from Poland, like we said, on the front lines. And you are you are a woman of action. And, you know, I, I think that when people like you respond, then that inspires everyone around you to respond because everybody thinks, OK, oh, this is how I'm supposed to behave. This is the right thing to do. You know, if a few people decided, well, it's not my problem, then that might influence lots of other people to just ignore this. But thank God, thousands of people are are doing the right thing, the moral right thing. And that- Oh, that, hundreds of thousands. I was even millions here, really, because it, it, it's everywhere. And I agree with millions. you. It's ordinary, regular people. You see that an ordinary, regular, normal person can make a huge difference. It's, it's absolutely. Amen. Magda, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rabbi. Really, thank you very much. Well, again, everybody, that was Magda Olchek. What an inspiring story. And you can tell she is just a bundle of energy, uh, a whirlwind. And I'm so glad that she is harnessing all of that power for good to help the people of Ukraine who are flooding, as she said, into Poland, across the border, running for their lives, looking for shelter, for safety. And Magda is one of so many people who are trying to help in this important cause. You know, Magda's efforts are inspired by the Torah's command in Leviticus, do not stand idly by the blood of your neighbor. When people are in trouble, as are millions of Ukrainians, we must act. It is not a choice. It is a Jewish value. It is a mitzvah to take action just the way Magda is. Magda is an inspiring example. And she said there are millions of other Poles and people in the region who are doing the same thing that one individual can really make a difference. I mean, it would be easy to just say, oh my God, this is overwhelming. It's too much. I mean, I'm just one person. What can I do? Uh, Magda is not taking that attitude. And in fact, our tradition will not allow us to just sit on the sidelines to just ignore the plight of people in trouble. Even if you're just one person, we believe, as I said to Magda, that every positive act makes a difference. There's a Jewish teaching in Pirkei Avot that says you don't have to complete the task, but neither are you allowed to desist from it. Think about that. You don't have to complete the task, but that doesn't mean you can just ignore the problem. In Hebrew, lo alecha hamlacha ligmor, velo lihibatel ben chorin mimena. Magda knows that one person can make a difference, and she is following that Jewish teaching to not feel overwhelmed, to not just sit idly by. I also want to share a prayer written by Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel uh, that he wrote in his book, Moral Grandeur and Spiritual Audacity. He wrote a prayer that he calls a prayer for peace. And in that prayer, he says, we are a generation that has lost its capacity for outrage, we must continue to remind ourselves that in a free society, all are involved in what some are doing. Some are guilty. All are responsible. 
And especially those last words really resonate with me. Some are guilty. All are responsible. All of us are responsible to try and clean up this mess that has been created by Vladimir Putin, the leader of Russia. And while I have been furious about Putin's invasion and I'm heartbroken for the plight of millions of Ukrainians, I am proud that so many individuals like Magda, along with dozens of organizations and literally hundreds of nations, are not standing idly by. Everyone, that concludes this episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the great conversation. Have a good day, everybody. Peace out.